This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O.com. Hello, and welcome to Daily Drive. It's Monday, May 16th, 2022. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. Renault leaves Russia, but with a path to return. And COVID masks are back in the factories. Plus, it's a buy-sell bonanza. We've got the key numbers on last year's auto retail M&A and an interview with a top advisor. We'll get into that a little later. First, let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Renault exits Russia, kind of. Renault said today that it will sell its majority stake in Autovaz, the maker of Lada automobiles, to a Russian science institute. The deal, however, includes a six-year option to buy back the stake. Renault is by far the Western automaker most exposed to the Russian market. Some 400 global companies have left the country since its military invasion of Ukraine almost three months ago. Renault said that its nearly 68% stake in Autovaz would be sold to the Russian Central Research and Development Automobile and Engine Institute, while its 100% ownership of Renault Russia will be sold to the city of Moscow. CEO Luca DeMeo called it a, quote, difficult but necessary decision to look out for the company's 45,000 employees in Russia. Terms of the sales were not disclosed, but rather than booking an influx of cash, the company confirmed it will take a charge of about $2.3 billion to write down the value of the Russian operations. Stateside, a new coronavirus variant is spreading, and the CDC has deemed many Michigan counties to be at high risk of transmission, meaning that people in public indoor spaces are advised to wear masks. So in many auto plants, Masks will again be required. The Detroit Free Press reporting that Ford and Stellantis will require masks at Southeast Michigan factories while GM is instituting, quote, protection measures. The changes come about two months after a task force made up of representatives from the Detroit Three Automakers and the UAW announced that masks would become optional in the factories. More than one million Americans have died from COVID-19. Now let's turn to retail. We've seen a crush of activity in dealership M&A, also called buy-sells. Now we can give you the numbers behind it. Automotive news reporters have confirmed details of 382 transactions covering 707 dealerships and 1,130 franchises, all in 2021. While the year saw many large deals, including acquisitions of the Suburban Collection and the Larry H. Miller Group, most deals were for a single store. The average Number of dealerships per transaction was only 1.85. The states with the most transactions were Texas with 34, followed by California and New York. Check out all of the coverage in this week's issue of Automotive News. And that's the news you need to know. Coming up, the big trends behind the ongoing dealership consolidation after the break. Listen to Fred Hayes service manager at Temecula Valley Buick GMC, and Philip Candido, fixed operations director, talk about their experience with GoMoto in their service drive. Before GoMoto, the backups in the service lane 
were due to not being able to get to the customer in a, in a timely manner. There's times where menus are passed over where the advisor forgets to tell them, hey, it needs its major service. And now with the GoMoto, customers are presented with a maintenance package every time. The time freed up from not having the customer sitting in front of them every single time they come in, it helps them be more efficient. It helps them focus more on the customer's concern and the, the maintenance and service of the vehicle. Before GoMoto, we would average approximately 130000 in service gross. The kiosk and the service drive doubled the gross profit in the dealership. It's amazing, 100%. Using the GoMoto kiosk makes the dealership more profitable. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency just like Temecula Valley? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters. I spoke earlier about the epic surge in auto dealership consolidation last year, which appears to be continuing so far in 2022. How long can it keep rolling? Interest rates are going up. Consumer demand may be softening, but one lasting lesson of the pandemic is how consistently profitable auto retail tends to be. Is it time to sell, time to buy? For many auto dealers, the answer is yes. To help break down the thinking in the market, I spoke with George Carolis, president of the Presidio Group, a buy-sell advisor. George Carolis, welcome to Daily Drive. Thanks for having me, Jamie. So the, we're looking back today at the year that 2021 was such an epic year for buy sells in the uh, you know mergers and acquisitions in the retail space, um, and of course how it's carrying into 2022 still very active. What is the attitude right now of buyers and sellers around profitability? What's a what is it? How do you how does anybody judge what's a reasonable baseline for future projections? Well, that's a great question. You know, prof, uh, current profitability, as you know, as everyone knows, is is uh, at record levels. Uh, dealers are making, you know, triple, generally triple, some some double, but m most triple what they made pre-pandemic, and um, driven by, of course, a chip shortage and and great demand for for uh, by the consumer, that has just really uh, increased margins uh, to record levels and and really. Uh, fuel, fuel these profitability levels. And so buyers are, you know, uh, well, dealers in general are, are euphoric and, uh, you know, these are the best <laughs> times, some of the best times for sure. Um, buyers are, you know, uh, prevalent. There's there's a lot of interest still in more than we've ever seen from, from, from numerous buyers and more new buyers th than ever uh, for dealerships. Uh, and, the, and those sellers that are looking to opportunistically take, take uh, advantage of of these record levels as well are are um, are you know in the mix and and um, what we're seeing though is um, you know buyers and sellers aren't necessarily on the same page you know all the time right because um, while buyers are you know while dealers are enjoying these record profitability levels as a buyer you, you put your buyer hat on and say well how do I I have to value this on the future of you know long term. Uh, earnings uh, potential of, of this business and is is this current level indicative of that and so um, that's the multi-million dollar question that is, <laughs> is is sort of you know um, running through everyone's minds and and is creating some some spread between you know buyer and seller expectations and it's 
I guess we can just say these are really interesting times for 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 dealing. <laughs> interesting, I'm sure. You mentioned there are more new buyers, and that's uh, a little surprising to me. I mean, I've known of some, but you know, of course, we know the the big publics have been so active. But who's who's new in the market? What how are people getting involved in a new way? Yeah, you know, I think new buyers is probably um, maybe what I mean is more more dealers that haven't necessarily been aggressive in the past that are that are are looking to expand and grow and, and buy additional dealerships and so we're seeing a lot more existing dealers that have have been on the sidelines or maybe haven't done deals in the past or been aggressive on deals really um, be more interested in in, in acquiring uh, of course the publics have been extremely active you know historically i think it was i don't know nine out of ten deals really were were private you know private to private and uh, over the last year, year and a half or so, the public's probably you know, doubled that pace, and maybe it was—I don't have the exact stat—but maybe it was twenty, you know, maybe twenty percent of the deals were, were were done by the publics. And so, um, you know, but the a- absolute number of deals that, that transacted in 21, 21 was you know significant. It was you know thirty, forty percent higher than 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 the prior year. And again, a lot of that was driven by the publics, but the the privates really were were aggressive. Uh, and and we saw a lot more deal deal making on private to private deals. You know there is, uh, of course, private equity swirling around as they always have been, and we 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 have seen a little bit of private equity get deals done. Um, there's still a lot of interest in, in private equity, but the strategics, which are really dealer existing dealers, uh, tend tend to be the most aggressive, uh, able to move the quickest, uh, able to get deals done and get approved on deals. So that's still we still see that trend uh, kind of prevailing here. Okay. All right. Uh, so, uh, obviously, there's a lot of smart investors who uh, noticed the profitability of, of retailers uh, during the, <laughs> the pandemic and wanted to get in. And, and you're right. And if, if, the, if the other dealers were faster at making a lot of deals, maybe another way to get in was through the publics. Uh, they, could, they could buy into them, and they did uh, <laughs> in droves. But now, like the rest of the market, the public dealer stocks are are back a little. Does that? Do you see that influencing the market going forward? Do they have less? Uh, is there maybe a little less powder for them to play with? Well, you know, look, the public company valuations are really a pure proxy for for what what, what deals are worth in the industry, and we're what we. You know, um, markets are forward looking, right, and, and and value things into the future. And uh, to your point, you know, the publics in general are trading off approximately 40% from, from an enterprise value, the, you know, EBITDA enterprise value perspective. So cash flow perspective, uh, they're trading um, well below the record, record levels. And, um, and that's, you know, the markets um, are, are factoring in, are the markets factoring in, um, you know, the, the ability to continue these high record gross profit levels? Um, are they considering inflationary pressures and rising rates? And so all these things are swirling around, but really in, in the end, it's how how long will these profitability levels last? And again, markets are forward, forward looking, forward thinking. And, and so values, you know, are being impacted. And how does that translate into the buy sell market? Um, just generally speaking, um, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's the question we deal with every single day. How do you value a dealership? And uh, you know we're seeing all sorts of um, different. You know, every deal stands on its own, of course. And you know, in one store, you know, there could be a different. You know, a story behind one store that uh, isn't you know um, necessarily indicative of of 
mm-hmm. of how overall dealerships are valued. But generally speaking, you know, the larger deals, um, how do you value a, a transaction? And, you know, we see a lot of buyers looking at averages, maybe a three-year average or averaging kind of pre-pandemic and current levels of earnings. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what, what folks are struggling with is uh, some sellers, you know, expecting to be paid off of current these current levels of earnings only. Uh, and, um, you know, is that indicative of the long-term actual future cash flow stream of these businesses? And so um, as, as we think about the publics and, and where they're trading, uh, you know, does, does that give some of the publics, you know, that valuation gap, does that change the mind? I think time will tell. Um, you know, publics have been very aggressive, of course, as we know, a lot of large deals. I think, you know, the, uh, we, we, we did the Park Place transaction in, in 2020, which I think kind of kicked off large deal season, as we like to say. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we, you know, we, we did uh, the Suburban deal, large deal in Michigan with Lithia. And then we, we saw a lot of more additional large deals happen, Larry Miller, uh, Prime and RFJ. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, of deals to be absorbed there, and the publics were very aggressive there. And, you know, will that continue? I mean, we're, we're, we're seeing a robust market, you know, still today. But, um, you know, the, these, these are interesting times with kind of the, the, all these pressures we're talking about and how long will these, these, these profitability last, levels last, and then how will sellers' expectations you know, adapt and 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 uh, current expectations versus future expectations adapt to, to all those factors. You know, I was wondering uh, if in the last month, of all. yeah, sorry to interrupt. I, I was wondering if in the last month or so you had seen a change in attitudes from uh, buyers if they're kind of stiffening on some of their price assumptions with the you know the Fed raising interest rates. Uh, people talking about you know whether it can be a whether there's a risk of a recession. Or even if it's a soft landing, we're going to be looking at higher rates and efforts to cool down the economy. And uh, you know whether there have been structural improvements to the profitability of dealers, uh, you can't fight a shrinking economy or a, a slowing economy. That's right. Yeah, affordability for consumers, right? In the end, is what it comes down to. And and vehicle prices are increasing. Uh, forget about the markup on, on on the vehicle, but the actual you know cost to make a vehicle is increasing. Uh, the rates and the affordability of that vehicle and all those other pressures. And, you know, consumers are, are not just facing, you know, inflationary pressures on vehicles, they're facing it across the board. And so how does that, you know, impact the, 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 this this future, to your point? Um, you know, I think uh, to your question on whether it's impacted buyers, I, you know, we haven't necessarily seen that um, a, a major trend there yet. Um, it might be too early to tell. Um mm-hmm. But again, what we are seeing is, you know, month after month, record profitability from from dealers. And, you know, we've got several clients that have thought, you know, thought about um, of selling. And, you know, we talk to them regularly. And and, you know, the, the theme we hear from from many of them is, you know, how do I walk away from these these profits if I'm not going to get paid <laughs> right. on this actual current level of profitability? And um you know, that's that's the, the big question. You know, um, how long will this last? Uh, you know, at some point, you know, a seller's market turns into a buyer's market. And so you don't necessarily want to be late if your ultimate desire is to sell. And and so you have to be rational. We always say if you're a rational seller in this market, there's there's always someone that wants to buy your business. You know, dealers are paying premiums, uh, you know, generally speaking, f- for, for deals right now uh, vis-a-vis uh, what they were worth pre-pandemic. Um, 
but it's you know in the main it's um, there's going to be a there's a spread that we're seeing here and there uh, in, in deals where there's not a rational seller or uh, you know buyer is is um, sort of being more conservative. There, there, we're seeing some spread there. So as we think about all the deals, the hundreds of deals that happened last year, and the really rapid growth going on, particularly at, at Lithia and Asbury, but uh, up and down the line. Where do you see it all shaking out? Are we going to end up with two or five or more like truly national operators? Uh, where, where do you see that developing five, 10 years down the road? Gosh, you know, do we think there's only going to be a handful of dealers? Uh, likely not. I don't mean a handful. I don't mean like getting rid of everyone else, but where you have like a truly national brand. I mean, AutoNation is sort of known around the country. But I mean, is driveway going to be as common as McDonald's and, uh, you know, click lane like uh, Wendy's? Well, I wouldn't bet against Brian DeBoer and Lithia. They're, they're pretty impressive in what, what they're doing, as are, you know, some of the other publics, Asbury uh, and, and, and others. Um, you know, I think it's just a massive industry and uh, still still quite fragmented. And so consolidation is going to continue. Yes. Uh, but, you know, this the digital retailing and the tools that, that, that the, the larger players have developed in particular uh, to uh, broaden their reach and to, um, you know, have national reach uh, are pretty impressive and um, and competitive. And I th so I think, we, you know, that we expect that to, you know, continue um, and, you know, time will tell, you know, time will tell on that. But but pretty impressive folks and uh, pretty impressive business models from from a lot of these dealers but there's you know uh the, the car business is still um also a local local business as well and so we see a lot of the uh, private players continuing continue to grow and, and, and achieve scale as well so i think there's there's a market for both absolutely george carolis president of the presidio group thank you so much for your time it's been great speaking with you thanks for having me jamie pleasure that's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. You can get the latest news on the retail market, M&A, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Thanks to Nathan Kadick for editing today's show. Thanks to the Automotive News multimedia team and web editor Victor Galvan for their help. And thanks to you for listening and making the show part of your daily routine. Now, let's all get back to work.